0: Good morning. Good morning, Joe. It's, uh, well, it's, is it morning? You know, I say good morning to people on the street when I walk Darcy, my dog. Oh. And I, I'm never sure, like, I, I feel, I'm, you know, I'm always uh, out of the slipstream of time. I feel, I feel like I'm in parallel with the rest of the universe sometimes. Wow. And okay. so, um, so sometimes I worry I say good morning when it's the afternoon and good afternoon if it's the morning. Like, I'm not, you know, I always have to check myself. I, have to, I, I feel like this comes naturally for other people to say good and then follow it with the right time of day. And I feel like I got to think about it. Hmm. So what do you you recommend? Abandon the practice altogether.
1: I would find some other way to say hello without using a time reference since you're inherently out
0: of time. Yeah. I I just don't think about it though. I, you know, I, I, I want to be generous of spirit. I, you know, I, I feel moved to, to, to issue a greeting. Oh, I didn't
1: i am I, not suggesting that you not issue a greeting. i'm I'm suggesting that you find some other greeting. Um, I, by but the what way I'm telling what,
0: I telling you is what I'm telling you is I don't think about it. It just kind of comes out like okay. I, I don't,
1: but it's yeah. incumbent on it's incumbent on those of you who have done so much time traveling that you're now permanently <laughs> fluxing in and out of different phases and periods. yeah um, that you come up with a new way to do it. By the way, this podcast episode is the time traveler's pal. Um, you are the time traveler, I am the pal.
0: Oh, wow. Reminds me of uh, one of my favorite, I don't know, is this a meme? I don't know. They're, have you ever seen these like old pictures where there's like one person in it who seems like a modern person? Yes. Like, like their clothes are modern and, and people, right. you know.
1: So it's evidence of time travel. <laughs> yeah,
0: aren't I guess we, we all, could,
1: time, aren't I, we all I, time travelers?
0: Aren't we all traveling <laughs> in time? We are. I get, I, I was just, To go back, I guess the federal rules of evidence would say that is indeed evidence of time travel.
1: In, in um, the sense
0: that it's relevant? In the sense that, yeah, it's probative. I mean, it's not... Yeah.
1: I, not enough by it's itself. It's not convincing. But I you'd, yeah, yeah you'd I, I wouldn't more. issue summary
0: judgment on that basis. No, not on one photo,
1: no. Even if the person is holding up a sign that says, I'm from the future, like, eh, could have written that right in the past. So,
0: Feedback. Let's see more. Hmm? Feedback at oralargument.org. <laughs> feedback at oral It's not the right time to bring that up, dude. Well, I feel like we should. I, I, I do have one bit of feedback to oh. circle back around to, but but that's that's where you email us and let us know things like, boy, I liked it better when you guys were on hiatus, or mm. oh, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> or I'm, I'm sure glad that you're back, or you know, I wish you would talk about law more, or I wish you would talk about law less, or I wish you would talk about this other thing, like you know, you could berate us, right, Joe? Sure, absolutely. Uh, usually, that's interesting because it used to be. In earlier uh, uh, days of the show, I would say this is where you send your 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 suggestions, your complaints, and you would always say, "No, don't send the complaints." What? Don't? I? Yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, just why, why be mean? I guess I'm a
1: heartier soul. I'm more resilient now. Um, we live in a in a fantastically degraded age. So, uh, sell, send all your berations and your exhortations. I, I mean, send nice things too, if you if you have them.
0: Is beration the, the noun form of a... I, I don't know. It is now. I, th- I thought beration was to supply a group of D&D adventurers with uh, rations. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, that's when someone says, I've been berationed. Oh, okay. That's the only the person receiving the the rations can, can say that word. Mm-hmm. I've, and they would say berationed, right? Not berationed.
0: <sighs> Probably. Although when I was a kid, I always pronounced it rations. I, I know it's rations but i'm sure there's a second or third pronunciation if there, if there are more than two pronunciations i don't i'm i would love to know what they are because I don't, I don't know what they are uh, by the way What's joe we're, we're, we're up for a peabody
1: oh always um <laughs> the uh you know thought the now rasher, was a good time to mention this yeah of course in in um I, I in british english i think rasher is how you would refer to a portion of bacon although uh i think that's r-a-s-h-e-r not not some version of ratio uh, like ration, R-A-T-I-O-N. Mm. And I would love a rasher of bacon if anyone's wondering. You would not. I would.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would have thought rasher would be kind of British English for maybe someone on Twitter going off on a kind of self-owning tirade. Oh, Unbeknownst it that, to them. Right, that could to be true. Let's yeah. start it. Let's start the meme. He's, you know, he's gone off on a rasher again. That kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, so one bit of feedback. Uh, oh my yeah, son. you said there. You said there yeah, was some yeah. actual feedback. Yeah, yeah. My my actual son. It turns so this out, this
1: is not a metaphor. This is not a metaphor.
0: <laughs> right. Turns out okay. is a is a um, listener to the program. Oh. Now, uh, I, I don't know, like you know, how close attention he paid, but close enough attention is paid to to take issue with something I said last week.
1: Fascinating.
0: And this is going to be this. I know this is. Very important. I want to set the record straight. Um, before, although, you, before you set no. the
1: record straight, I just want to note that what we're witnessing here, this could be a first in all of world history, a son listening to his father closely <laughs> enough to object to something his father said, okay? This, this may <laughs> I, never have happened before.
0: You know, Joe, in my experience, children listen to their parents closely enough to object, but never closely enough to agree. Mm. It's a, I, know, I realize that's a paradox, you would think close yeah. listening would provide the basis for both of those things, but it, somehow it doesn't. It defies the laws of physics and sociality, but that's the hmm. way it that's the way it goes. So if you say something wrong, you can be guaranteed that they're going to notice. Uh, nice. But if you've got some like pearls of wisdom in there, and you think, oh, they're going to file those away, yeah, you know, I don't know see, he's going to object to this too. By the way, he's of course object he to is, too. and
1: yeah. notwithstanding the fact that it's a sterling entry in you know Joe's catalog of jo- the joys of childlessness, um, continue. <laughs> um,
0: but you I got enough wh- people disagreeing with me. I don't need them to live with me. It's like, please. So, so last week I mentioned I had this idea that that maybe I should start streaming Flight Simulator. Yes. Where I have, where I have a copilot each week, and yes. the co-pilot and I do do a little chit chat. As yes. we make our way across the world, maybe a rotating guest of, of co-pilots.
1: Right, and I'm willing to be uh, the occasional uh,
0: substitute co-pilot. My son objected that this was his idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, does that mean he wants to do it, or does that mean he wants you to do it? He, he wants me to do it.
1: Like okay, so is, who cares? I mean, sweet. share the credit. Like, who cares who came up with it?
0: I, I feel like I came up with it. Okay, he so definitely, you so he definitely... You, he definitely out, for a long time has been saying that I should stream. He, he, he's definitely saying I should stream. I want to point out an
1: irony that you constantly slag IP and you're mm. here um, <laughs> kvetching about credit, um, which makes two <laughs> points, two important points. First, um, that that usually the most important form of IP that people care about is a form that doesn't particularly exist in the Anglo-American tradition, which is attribution rights. Right. Um, second... Um, you like virtually everybody else is in the ip for me but not for the crowd um which is you know um just want to point that out for all the listeners
0: well so i i am not suggesting any kind of property-based interest or right to sue or anything enforceable here Um, okay and in fact i'm not even suggesting that credit is important in general you just you just want it Vis-a-vis my son, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in the moral economy, not the monetary right. economy, but the right. moral economy of your household, which is in a way the, the deepest and, and most longstanding meaning of economy, mm. right? um, the, the household resources and how they're managed. Right. Um, in the moral economy of your family, uh, gosh darn it, it, uh, you want credit.
0: I, I guess so. I'm being a little facetious, but but I do think that, like, you know, it's rarely important to be recognized as being right in the world. Um, I realize that the entire existence of Twitter is evidence to the contrary. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's like, you know, actually, you know, it's not it's not so important to be the one who's recognized as being right. So long as like right ideas get out in the world. Sure. The hardest place to realize the truth of this, though, is within the family. Maybe between spouses is the ultimate test of the lack of importance of being right about something. Mm. But you know, kids, maybe that's that's the that's the secondary orbit around that kind of primary orbit.
1: Now, has this to do with trying to learn norms of reciprocity? That one reason it's important for uh, uh, people to attribute credit correctly within the family is because that's a way that you can all uh, recognize and honor one another. For example, you can, you can help him see that it would be important for you to attribute to him that which is from him, and it, it, in just the same way, he can, he can recognize the importance of attributing to you that which is from you.
0: Uh, perhaps, but maybe being right about something makes up for being wrong about something else <laughs> another time. And, and in the long run, a, a family is all about like totting up uh, rights uh. and wrongs. Okay. No. Okay. Not really. Obviously this is facetious. I f- yes. I feel like I shouldn't be so facetious cuz people might, you know, lots of families struggle and ah, yeah. You know, I don't want to um make light of that. Uh, uh but I thought it was kind of cute that he wanted credit for this. It it is
1: cute and it's a measure of um in addition to being cute, uh, it's a measure of the uh, how good the idea is.
0: Ah because he, Ooh. you
1: know, a success has many parents, a failure few. Uh, so he he sees the world where this is happening as a more successful, happy and happy world, mm-hmm. as do I.
0: Well, because he and I share genes, um, this may be, an you know, this it may be that we both have the r- same wrong idea for the for the same reasons.
1: Oh yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I'm
0: not I'm not convinced the world would tune in to watch me fly. a, a fake plane around the world with random other people.
1: That doesn't mean the world wouldn't be better if you were doing that.
0: Ooh. I, I, Would the world be better co- if, if no one tuned in? Hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm making, I'm, I, I don't know about that, but I am making a slightly different claim that it, yeah. it doesn't need to have, it doesn't need to be viewed by very many people, um, particularly making a fairly relaxed assumption about the permanence of electronica uh, over time. That, you know, someone who sees it 200 years from now as part of their archaeological explorations, I mean, they might be benefited (laughs) by
0: it. And forever is a long time. Yeah, especially this series. It would be a record of kind of the state of the landscape underneath the fake airplane. There you go. What what was going on in and around Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, on, you know. According to simulators. April the 7th when when Christian overflew it in this uh, simulator.
1: Yeah. People want to know.
0: Pe- future yeah,
1: well. A- well, future AIs want to know. <laughs> uh, people might For, be indifferent by that as, point.
0: As they mine information to enslave the last bit of resisting humanity. Like I said, forever is a long time. <laughs> forever is a long time. Well, um, all right, so this is the, I don't know, this is like episode, I don't know, uh, 723 or something like that. Yeah, um, we don't do that anymore. We're not referring to series, we're not referring
1: to episode numbers. I don't care about any of that. I don't oh, want to. well hear that.
0: It, it it does it automatically when I post it. So I don't know okay. what I don't know what it is. Good. But it's it's but my point is we've been doing a lot of these and Whatever. I am interested in what you want to talk about today. So oh f- for this episode, do you do you have an idea, Joe? Um
1: no, but I do <laughs> have I do have a random thing that I thought was interesting uh, with respect to this IP stuff. So Yeah. In the um, in the mammoth piece a uh, piece uh, of legislation uh, passed here near the end of 2020, uh, the mammoth piece of federal legislation, um, it not only does various financial things, it, it also does some other things. This is in part a byproduct of, I think, of the fact that everyone knows it has this must-pass character. Right. So things get thrown in it that. Uh, significant members of Congress can get past veto gates of various kinds, etc. Right. Like a um, single
0: truck, which is allowed once per year over a hostile border. Correct. People just kind of throw in things that they want to... Yeah, any number of
1: flotsam and jetsam can right. find their way onto the uh, bed of that truck. Uh, the, um, apparently, oh, I haven't looked closely at it, uh, apparently the uh, new federal legislation includes the creation of a small claims copyright infringement tribunal uh, to be created within the Copyright Office. Um, uh, it's called the CASE Act, or C-A-S-E Act, CASE Act. Um, let me bracket for a moment the number of episodes it would take to get to the bottom of my rage <laughs> about Congress giving statutes cute names. Backronyms. I mean, to fully explore that <laughs> terrain, it's it's it, it, I, I don't know how many episodes <laughs> it would take, so that's why I want to bracket that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, the case act um, is now within the uh, the large legislation, uh, the name of which I don't know. Um, and, uh, this uh, sounds
0: like a terrible idea to me.
1: The, no, no. you Suggest why that's the case.
0: Well, I, I don't know anything about it, so that's why um, I'm
1: so <laughs> eager to hear your 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 initial thoughts about. Um, like and, and I think I've captured a, a, some important germ of it by calling it a small claims copyright infringement tribunal within the copyright office. Oh. Let's assume I, I for purposes of like, argument... Yeah. I feel can, can like we, all can, I need can, to know. Yeah. I, and okay. I just want I to I make an assumption. I want to make an assumption and hear you react to it. Um, <laughs> I, I want us to assume that this uh, the judges on this tribunal... Are going to be applying conventional copyright law, right? So we've got Title right. 17, it's got all the copyright statutes in it, it's got infringement, it's got defenses, it's got fair use, it's got. So they're going to do all those things, okay? Um, why is it terrible?
0: And, and for the listeners who aren't familiar with IP, we're talking, copyright refers to protections for expression of ideas, not ideas themselves, not inventions. Correct. Inventions are patent law. There are a bunch of stuff at the borders where if you're not familiar with the area, you might be confused. Like, are it's, is software and patent or is it in copyright? And it's kind of confusingly in both. And
1: yep. there are yep, business yep, yep.
0: methods which are in patents. And uh, But you can think of things like novels and film and, and some architectural designs as being kind of in the heartland of copyright. And then there's a bunch of stuff right. around that. Do I have that basically right? And then also derivations. of So so the right to make sequels from things you've already made will, Yeah, and all
1: sorts of visual arts, you know, um, drawings, uh, paintings, quilts, um, all manner of visual artistic expression, uh, certainly. And the originality standard for protectability in copyright uh, is uh, quite low. Um, And uh, so, yeah, copyright protects lots of stuff.
0: And famously, you have written about trying to uh, increase the barriers to getting a copyright, hoisting originality, as you say. Yeah, I think um, that
1: standard is too low. Uh, yeah. I I would quibble only with your notion that 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 I have famously written that. <laughs> um, I, I, I did write that thing, and and it has other people have written about the originality standard, and some of them have uh, you know wasted a little bit of toner uh,
0: citing to that piece. But yes, no, I I mean this is going to be eventually it will be adopted. It will be the Miller standard. Every, you know I think it'll be in, well known. What the, anyway. <clears throat> and uh, and then I guess the other little thing about copyright is that once you get one, um, I, I think the latest is because copyright uh, copyright lasts for a certain period and then and then lapses and this is um, uh, part it of expires, the, the yeah. constitu- constitutional design which is I- embodied in various statutes which have been extended and I think at the latest check I think copyright lasts for nine hundred and twenty three thousand years is that right? John? <laughs>
1: It, what's funny is um for 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 many many circumstances that are covered by copyright, the difference between the number you just said and the number that it actually lasts is probably too small to compute
0: well I think like, uh, in terms of financial return right. and Justice Breyer in Eldred versus Ashcroft actually put that right into the u s reports right Indeed. the the difference between an infinite copyright and the life plus uh, um was it 75 years? Life plus 70? I think what it's, it?
1: uh, yeah, life plus 70 for uh, And works then 95
0: for works for, for hire, for, yeah. yeah.
1: For specific, uh, yeah, for specific human authored works with a known author. It's yeah. life plus 70.
0: And then, and then you know, 95 works, uh, 95 years for works for hire, works you make for corporations and things. And right. um, and he actually demonstrated the difference between that, that term, ex ante, the difference between that term <coughs> and forever is is like, you know, fractions of pennies. Um, So nothing that would motivate anybody to produce any work uh, who otherwise uh, would not. Okay. So with with that out of the way, the question is, what bothers me about this? And I think it totally depends on whether there would be more copyright claims because more copyright claims for me is a social bad. So would this increase the number of claims or would it merely divert claims that otherwise would go to either a federal district court or Um, can you bring copyright claims in the court of federal claims or is that just for patent
1: Uh, I think uh, my my recollection is that you can although they would be copyright infringement claims against the United States
0: just against the United States okay correct so I think
1: 28 USC 1498 is the statute that provides for patent and copyright claims Uh, my recollection is that it is that it does include copyright claims yes against the United States
0: Okay, but private patent claims, uh, patent claims against uh, private parties, that, that can go and, and does go to the court of uh, uh, federal claims, right? Uh, for sure. Yeah. So, so that's a little different, another difference between copyright and patent. But anyway, my, the whole point of this <laughs> is that if the effect of creating this small claims venue for copyright claims yeah. is that more people will enforce their, their, their quote-unquote copyright rights or their copyrights, um, then I'm against it.
1: Uh, Okay, Um, I think that's certainly the intent of it is that, uh, you know, the very notion that you would want to create a new tribunal that is a small claims tribunal uh, suggests that you think that the expense of litigation, the threshold dollar value for federal causes of action and the like and diversity or otherwise, um, that, that the federal system as a whole, the general conventional federal trial court system is too expensive for people to use. And therefore, you would create this new small claims tribunal precisely because you thought there were claimants whose claims were falling below that threshold. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that why you would set up such a system?
0: Well, that's what I'm presuming, having read exactly zero of the statutory text and hearing only what you've said so far today.
1: Right. Well, we've read about as much of the statutory text that we've read about the same amount. Okay. Um, which is to say, for
0: to a first approximation, zero. Um. um Okay, so I think on that basis, we should take firm positions here, which will be be immovable for future discussion.
1: Here's a speculation about why I think it's not, uh, it might be on balance negative, um, but but I I think there could be some positive that's weighed against a negative. Um, uh, Even on your assumption that, Again, to a first approximation, more copyright claims is bad. Um, So this system is going to generate information, right, depending on how it's set up. It's going to generate information about copyright scope, copyright liability, um, the contours of fair use. uh, And it's going to generate information about copyright law in contexts that are probably systematically different from the contours of copyright law when we're talking about the big producers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, big financial interests, big movie producers, big music makers, et cetera. And in that, and given that since um, the dropping of formalities in copyright law has, has and the and the fact that under the 76 Act, copyright rights attach at the moment of fixation, like fixing the work in a tangible medium of expression, that's when copyright begins to exist as a federal matter. Um, that, that in that world, having more information, you know, given what we think we know about how litigation processes work, having more information about what officials will decide about a copyright law question is helpful because it helps people work those things out themselves without having to go to some tribunal. right? Tribunals that generate information about how the law applies help people not use the tribunal anymore.
0: Yeah, They're this able is to more, simply work yeah. things
1: out themselves. So I'm making the assumption that we're not going to enact although we probably should we're not going to enact a wholesale change that would make copyright m- much less intrusive on people's ordinary lives as it now is um, and that um, and so, again, in that world, if we're talking about not having information or instead having information about the way the law works in that world, I think it's better to have more than less information about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're making, I think, this this reduces to the typical Kosian point, right? The typical coast point, or um, uh, which itself reduces to, in this case, a rules versus standards kind of thing, where if people understand how the law will be applied to them, they will be able to work out privately without resorting to legal threats uh who owns what and therefore what you can do and what you can't do and Uh, this is better and yeah so so just one
1: thing on the rule standards thing I i mean copyright law like like patent law and and frankly like trademark law too let me just say ip law so so ip statutes were drafted most of the important ones were drafted at a time where where statutes look more like the sherman act than like the tax code so most of them are actually written as standards, not as rules. And in that sense, when you get more information about how tribunals would adjudicate a claim under those very broad standards, that actually is a lot is really helpful information.
0: Well, what the effect of it is to take that standard and make it more rule like. Like the Co- more decisions correct. you have under the standard, the more you've created a code. Correct. Of, of, of rules and. And
1: indeed, that's the way it's. It is a sort of. The system it's, it seems would contemplate that process occurring. And so, if there's it, a whole yeah. stratum of claims for which it's not occurring, there is—you could say—a lacuna of information that that would it, that it would be good to have.
0: Well, I mean, one reason for having a standard is that you, is that is not that you're kind of too lazy to specify things, or even that you want to let things evolve and 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 determine the finer um, distinctions over time as more information comes in. It may be that that you think this is an area where case-by-case adjudication is now and will always be better than to set out prospective rules. <laughs> but um, uh, but basically, I mean, what, you, what you've said is that, um, uh, that you've got a broad standard. A bunch of adjudications over time will create a more rule-like structure. That more rule-like structure will more clearly delineate entitlements. More clearly delineated entitlements are more susceptible to trade and negotiation. This is the the basic combination of rules against rules versus standards and the kind of cozy bargaining point. Sure. And it, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't sound great to me uh, because uh, I feel like the, so our society works. I think in part, you know, I'm, I say our society, I mean, things like um, uh, people producing new interesting things yeah. um, in, in the modern world. Works yep. because a lot of people just don't worry about copyright law most of the time. They just make stuff, and right. um, and I, I get, my sense is the way these things are enforced is that the big players, as you mentioned earlier, will send you know mean letters from lawyers um, citing the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, saying you got to take this down, and they'll send it to the platform provider. And that's become so routinized that plat- big platforms like YouTube now have a kind of a well a routine for receiving such complaints um and then giving the option either to share uh um um uh to to either to take the thing down that's been posted or to uh just allow the copyright holder to capture some of the revenue from the thing
1: and that is um that was true before that's true now that's going to be true when this statute goes into effect Right, so n- so nothing about this statute wouldn't the, the creation of the small claims infringement tribunal within the copyright office isn't going to change anything you ju- of what you just said. Right, so the big players have the tools they already have. Right, to send a notice and takedown that's directed at someone who you know posted a video of their family celebrating a birthday in their backyard and there's some music was playing in the background. Right, that like that's already being handled in the particular way. I would think that the small claims idea is going to be more um, pertinent to small plaintiffs not small defendants.
0: Yeah, there's just going to be more of that, you know, like you you recombine, you know, there's a there's a really great tweet somebody did that everybody's retweeting and you make a video about it and suddenly someone wants to make a small claim about your use of their tweet and the and you know, it's going to be more junk Like that right well well, I, I would think so, I mean at
1: least at first, but this is this is my hope is that like part of this is which baseline we 're comparing this new statute to, so uh, my inclination of course is uh, it, not of course, my inclination is I agree with your assessment what i 'm trying to uh, specify is what might the counter argument be or what might um, a reason to be less than entirely despondent be, and I think one such reason could be that um if you think of the baseline as the world where those um sort of charges and countercharges can be thrown back and forth but no one will actually ever resolve them which means n- no one that they'll never stop they'll d- people will just keep saying things they can't prove cuz there is no tribunal cheap enough to get to the answer like maybe there will be some answers and maybe that will mean people will stop saying that particularly doofus stupid thing. Like, it, you know, given that I put this thing out in a tweet, which is a conceitedly uh, a, a system designed to permit people to quote and combine it with other things, which at the very least is impliedly licensing the reproduction of that thing for Pete's sake. So don't bother me with your, do- your doofus infringement claim. Like, I would love for a copyright... <laughs> Tribunal, to in the Copyright Office to say, of of nicer version of what I just said, which is stop bringing us your doofus claims. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, in in real space, because the, ba- the baseline world is now no, everyone just says you're being yeah. a doofus, and someone else says no, you're not.
0: Yeah, in 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 real space, there's the trespass tort, right? The trespass to land tort, which is, which a landowner can bring against someone who physically intrudes onto their property. <laughs> you know, you have to have. You have to show there is an intentional and unprivileged intrusion onto the property of another, onto the land of another. Yeah. And, and that intentional thing doesn't require that you know where the property boundary is, only that you intend for your, your body or the thing that you're controlling yeah. uh, to be there.
1: Or even that you create some other harm. So the famous Jacques against Steenberg dragging the, 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 you know, uh, dragging the vacation house across someone's snowy property or something. I'm vaguely remembering the facts of that. But um, yeah, there doesn't need to be a harm either. In the traditional trespass to land,
0: that that's right. Unlike with nuisance, right? So this is you know in in my property course, that's a a big part of the first part of our study, right? Is the contrasting trespass and nuisance and what they protect against and what you have to show. Yeah. Um. So so trespass looks very rule like. It's just it's a it's about boundary crossings. You know, you just have to show that someone physically crossed the boundary and show something about um their state of mind, but very little, just that they you know, weren't blown onto the property by a tornado or something like that, right? I mean, so, so <laughs> you, you don't have to show you know, that they understood where the property boundaries are. And right. then there's this bit of privilege, right? So if you invite someone to your, onto your land to come to dinner, you can't sue them as soon as they come onto your land. They had, a, they had permission. They had a, what's called a license, a permission to use the land of another. So they had the permission to come onto your land by your consent. So consent can provide a, a privilege, as can necessity, and that's where things get a little bit trickier, you know. So there, there are famous cases. There's one famous case, the one that I teach about a, um, uh, a sailboat in a in a storm, which tried to mm. to tie up on someone's dock, and they cast it off, and there was an accident, and so it kind of came up in a weird way. But the but the upshot is that it's not trespassing when you when you land on someone's uh, when you come onto someone's land, owing to some necessity. Necessity provides a privilege uh, equivalent to consent. So well, what is I'm, Necessity? I'm
1: struggling to remember the name of that famous old case
0: uh, Ploof against Putnam
1: Plouffe against Putnam <laughs> I love it Pearson um, against Post, of course, is the fox and hounds um, but, Yes,
0: which involves a different point of law but,
1: yeah, Entirely um, when that you read that's, p- that's the one I kept think, trying to think of I'm like, no, it's not, it's not Pearson against Post It's but Ploof against
0: Putnam Another
1: P.P. P versus P <laughs>
0: Well, f- funny you mentioned dogs, because uh, if you actually read Plouffe, you know, some of the cases they cite about necessity involve things like you've got a, you know, you've got a bunch of sheep and you have a sheep dog and the sheep dog in chasing the sheep, you know, and coming back may wander onto someone else's land on its way back. And the court is like, well, of course, that's not a trespass. That's just that's just the nature of a dog. <laughs> That hardly strikes me as a necessity on a
1: par with needing to tie up your boat in a storm.
0: Well, see, That's this much is the, more, a
1: much more forgiving standard.
0: This is one of the many cases where if you read, I think, deeply in the in the property canon, you realize that so many of our intuitions about what is necessary, about what constitutes a good reason for crossing a boundary or what constitutes a harm, all of these concepts, right, mm-hmm. um, are, are uh, socially constructed and... Not only socially constructed, but deeply contingent on our ideas of how people do things around here. How do things go around here? And right. in a world where everybody's raising sheep and they've got sheep dogs, it's like, well, what do you expect me to do here? <laughs> like, of course, the sheep's right. going to run on your. You know, it's not going to stay on your land. But it's the nature of a dog not to come, like, not to respect property boundaries. So, of course. But so, you know, what? My dog, of- though. Let me let me just say this, Joe, before you jump in. I, You know, I've got a dog. I just mentioned, you know, walking her and, and saying the wrong things to people to, in, in yeah. greeting. Um, if I just let her off the leash to wander on other people's lands and I said, well, it's, you know, a dog's going to wander. A dog is going to dog. That's just what's going to happen. That mm. wouldn't work here in Athens. No. Right? Because that's not what dogs do here. You keep no. that thing on a leash. I say, yeah, but right. it's got to chase after these sheep. They, they're they like, sheep? <laughs> you know, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? <laughs> um Yeah. So sorry to interrupt you. So
1: how much? But so how many? How much of the common law? uh, To ask a completely bonkers question, um, raised by your delightful vignette, how how much of the common law uh, is um, you know the great old chestnuts of of Anglo-American common law? How much of it is just plaintiffs as a group being um, like haughty out-of-town jerks? Ah. Well, right, who just don't know how
0: things are done around here? What's interesting, you mentioned Pearson against Post, which is this famous case uh, where um, a, a kind of fancy person kind of uh, was hunting foxes, right? In, in uh, right, the, and in has the,
1: given chase to a particular fox
0: in the gentlemanly way, you know, with the with the shiny boots and the probably yeah. I, I imagine I imagine a deep red coat with some brass buttons of some kind. I imagine a fancy <laughs> hat. I imagine a lot goes into the preparation to begin the chase. And uh, anyway, this this hunter had given chase. And then at the last minute, to use the words of the descent, a saucy intruder came on the mm. scene. Yes. And this saucy intruder uh, 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 didn't chase but found the, hawks, found, found the fox hiding in a in a culvert of some kind and then beat it over the head with a rail and killed it. Now, this saucy intruder was a local farmer. Mm, And there was a huge cultural gap between the uh, between the um, uh, the the fancy huntsman and the yeoman farmer here on the land. I think it was in Long Island or something. I've got notes on this that I always look to. It was
1: in New York, and I think you're right.
0: Yeah, someone wrote a fantastic article about the history of this, like examining several fantastic articles whether this was a fictitious case or not. And um, so, um, and so, so it's another great case for observing. Okay, so. This beating the, head, the fox over the head with a, with a rail and claiming it, like, is that, does that mean that it's now that person's fox? Or did that person steal the fox, take the fox from the hunter who had acquired it by chasing it? So the, the basic claim is there's this thing which no one owned, the fox, which was somehow converted to ownership through first possession, Yep. And what constitutes first possession? Do Indeed. you do you possess the fox by chasing it, or only by killing it or capturing it? And that was the question in, in the famous case of Pearson against Post. And what the case reveals, I think, and this is to you and, and for my property students, I, I have them read a little section of Carol Rose's piece on possession as the origin of property, which I think makes mm, this fantastic point really well. article. Oh, it's really I mean, so great. So many of the things that she does are, are, are great, and this is one of Indeed. them. Indeed. Um, that the, the case presents a kind of conflict of culture, right? There's just a different sense of how we do things around here. There's a different sense of what a fox means. So to the yeoman farmer, the fox is a pest, which is killing chickens and things or, or whatever right. it is that they're raising there. And so the only good fox is a dead fox. And so, Indeed. you know, you know, you should give the, you know, the reward of the fox pelt or whatever it is should go to the to the person who actually kills the fox.
1: Because what we n- care about is that they actually die. Right? that's so right. the social objective in that in the, in the from the perspective that you're articulating the social objective is more dead foxes right. and to and the way to guarantee more dead foxes is reward the person who actually kills them right and so the my recollection is the majority makes a reference to basically comparing foxes to pirates on the high seas but well, no this uh, is this is the int- in-
0: <laughs> well this is hmm? the incoherence of it it's cuz it's actually the dissent who calls them pirates and so that is it's it's a it's a funny thing for property students to look at and see whether this is really coherent on the part of the dissent because the dissent seems to be the one who says that you know more dead foxes are better the majority's opinion is very formal about like looking back to prior cases and precedent and then establishing this formal rule there's very little in terms of policy supporting the majority's decision other than a standard well, a, a standard rules versus standards argument that rules would reduce the incidence of people fighting. So there's but very you, little. I
1: thought you were just articulating the policy basis. The, yes. The, which is that it's, if, if your objective is to have more dead foxes, the possession rule that you should adopt is the person who kills it is the, is the one who owns it.
0: You're absolutely right that that would be a basis for a decision. It's just not the one that the majority used. The majority was <laughs> issued this very formalist decision. It's the okay. dissent who brings up the possibility of, of, of an um, instrumental use of law here to uh, lead to more dead foxes. It just happens to locate that instrument in encouraging more people to give chase to foxes. So we want to give encouragement to the huntsmen to go out and hunt foxes, and that will result in fewer dead foxes. Okay, so but that, it, but all that this seems is not-
1: quite. Th- that, that seems quite strange to me to say that the way you would encourage more people to give chase is to let the possession right attach sooner. Um, in, 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 if you want more people to give chase, you would make the possession
0: right attach later. Well, see, this is what all deeply empirical, isn't it? It depends on how, you know, what's the hard part? Is the hard part finding foxes to chase? Is it, is it getting them out in the open or is it actually killing them? Like, I don't know. And no one in the, mm-hmm. any of the opinion cites any of this. So this is one way that law in, in many ways is not truly determine it Um, you know it it depends on the nature of foxes in that area it depends on the kinds of efforts people put in it depends on so to the once you commit to letting the answer turn on this issue of social policy then it becomes deeply important to you how best are we going to achieve the social policy and there's not much in those opinions to kind of guide one one way the other on that okay Um, so so the dissent kind of does both things (laughs) you know says that policy is super dead foxes is super super important But then appears to adopt a rule that would basically award possession to bad hunters, (laughs) you know, people who couldn't seal the deal in the end. Mm -hmm, Right. Um, But zooming out, though, I, you know, I'm less interested in what the judges did in that case, which I think is, you know, they do some things that you can teach about and is kind of interesting. But what makes the case really interesting and hard is that it presents, I think, these conflicting understandings of the meaning of the fox, the conflicting understandings of like how we do things around here. Right.
1: So what's the alternative to, you know, uh, foxes like pirates um, are outlaws, strangers to the law. The important it's, thing is right. dead foxes. I guess the alternative is, you know, this was good sport. And, fox's trophy. Uh, yeah, it's Fox, fox's trophy versus fox's uh, pest. And it's not just trophy, but it's the trophy at the end of a process, right? right. Fox as process. Right. And it give, giving good hunt uh, in, the, in the proper way with the shiny boots and the horn and the hunting dogs, et cetera, like that you, you came in and you ruined by
0: good sport. Right. And, and that's, that's the wrong. And Rose's theory is that from our, from the public perspective, you know, absent some, some kind of public reason to favor one group over or the other, or, or, or a, a really strong view of, of the meaning of the Fox. Like what we should be looking for is to resolve these disputes cheaply, which means that we should be looking for how groups who are acquiring possession speak to one another about, whether they've acquired that possession. So mm-hmm. we're looking for behaviors which say unambiguously to other people, hey, this is now mine, not yours, mm-hmm. right? And, and for many things, that involves just picking something up and having it. If it didn't have an owner before, well, now it does because I've picked it up. I'm in possession of it. So we're looking for signals people send. You know, society and, and law and society is all about communication. So how do I communicate to others that this thing is now mine? What right. makes the case hard is that the farmers have a very different way of communicating that they own a fox um, than do hunters. Like, a bunch of hunters will recognize that it's unsporting to kind of swoop in at the last minute and steal someone's kill, right? And so it's not just that the sides see it – like, it just feels different. If you're a hunter, I'm sure it feels wrong. I'm sure it felt wrong to – like – Unsportiness no was the whole thing, because as you say, the foxes process Fox's trophy. But well, doesn't this mean yeah. that the whole like you can't answer the question about
1: the you can't answer the social question about well the way you possess is that you you communicate that it's yours. Um, well, but the communication is also socially is also yes. socially determined. It's social. Well,
0: yes, it, it, and oftentimes, um, to the extent that there aren't spillovers among groups who are competing for a thing, we can kind of piggyback on. On social norms, and just law can kind of ratify those social norms of recognizing communication. But occasionally, you're going to get these these instances of these particular instances of what you might call theoretical disagreement in law, disagreement mm-hmm. about what the law, you know, the the content of the legal standard should be, that arise because there are social groups who have different norms with respect to acquisition of the thing, and these the the reason the social groups are different is has nothing to do with a particular thing like you know it's not that the farmers are different from the hunters because you know because they happen to have different views about hunting it's that they are doing different things in the world right right more generally that kind of lead them to different valuations of the activities involving hunting foxes and so um you know so so that's that's the source of this theoretical disagreement and, and so that's what makes it a hard case and so that's why you would have a i think a reasonable majority opinion and a reasonable dissenting opinion. This is absent the 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 larger community having some preference for how to allocate foxes or the meaning of foxes um yeah but
1: that's just it seems to me that's what it's it is. It's interesting to to try to delve into and figure out more about like you know calling someone a saucy intruder is is actually taking quite a position on what you thought the dominant modality, right, was in that place and time. For, yeah, and this for is the, why the
0: the dissent in that case tries to have it both ways because it calls the fox a pirate, a noxious beast, you know, and the goal should be to sounds very pro the farmer. The goal should be to eliminate them, but it also calls the farmer who actually killed the fox a saucy intruder. Right. So it has yeah. a, a clearly a preference for bad hunters. Right. Um, I think that's due. I think when I first read this case, I think it was it was uh, Mark Kelman, who was my professor who, who mm. mentioned that that, that the descent favored bad hunters. Um, I think that was his. Yeah. Um, Which
1: is um, a hilarious way to refer it is, to it. it. It is a good um, way to
0: refer to it. But so, so the, the, the bigger point here is that law is and um, this little bit of property in, in terms of possession and in terms of trespass are, are, I think, just, you know, individual views into a broader phenomenon that, that law is just shot through with assumptions about how we do things around here. And then how we do things around here kind of comes in to fill in the gaps. And it's only in these, these, these theoretically challenging cases are ones in which it's kind of unsettled how we do things around here. Now, not in every so, case, but
1: anyway. So maybe a better—in maybe a better um, the, the, in the alternate universe, the, what the Case Act does, this, this uh, statute trying to deal with um, a universe of copyright infringement claims that fall below the radar— of the conventional copyright litigation in federal district court, which is big players um, making big claims about big issues, um, that m- may be an alternative way to think about what you could have done in that layer. If, if you're trying to generate information and you're, go- and you're sort of moving along the lines that you and I have been talking about in, in respect of person against post, you would say, ah, so what the copyright office needs to do is it needs to set up, it needs to convene it's important role here is going to be as the convenor, right, of a bunch of best practices working groups that are going to try to interview, you know, creators, users, and other people in various community contexts and say, like, how do people use creative materials in your Area? How do people generate them? How do people incorporate other people's outputs and use them as inputs? And what are the ways to respect what people are doing? What would be considered, um, you know, an, a, a sort of unfair undercutting of the community norm? What would be a way to respect the community norm? Um, and by creating some, some sort of output at the end where you've got a, a document that is the best practices of people who do this kind of activity, right? Documentary filmmakers in, in the, the American uh, West uh, in 2020, right? Or whatever it might be. But if you've got your best practices document, that would be the way to, to socially and helpfully generate more information about the contours of creativity, the contours of use in, under the auspices of a copyright statute that, that purports to shape people's behavior, um, and 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 articulate some legal norms for how people should behave. Well, okay. So in light of all that, what are people really doing? What is a viable copyright claim, and what isn't, um, b- based on how people operationalize this stuff in their ordinary uh, workaday worlds?
0: I, I might have two objections. I'm not sure where these go. Let me just think about them out loud. So one is, I'm not sure that the delineation costs to use a term that you're familiar with in IP, are, are worth it, are worth the benefit. This is the the cost of figuring out, like, of finally prescribing what the property boundaries are, right? And yep. I um, for real property, I think um, delineation of ownership in time and in space, you know, Henry Smith and Tom Merrill and others have, have talked about the value of, of clear delineations for promoting transactions and for clarifying entitlements. Right. And- and and justifying a lot of uh of common law at, uh, un, under that kind of uh under that rubric i'm not so sure here that delineation is worth its costs um what was the second thing i was going to say um oh that, that i it, maybe it gets us away from from this but maybe this would be part of your inquiry like i'm not sure any of this is is worth it at all even if you could delineate it if <laughs> if, if you couldn't um if, if you're not convinced that there are certain things that are very valuable, more valuable than the cost of all this stuff, that are being underprovided and that the underprovision is actually a bigger problem than, you know, legal wrangling in the so small you, claims
1: venue. What particular sorts of things are you imagining there? Just fill that out just a little bit to help me understand better what you're referencing.
0: Well, I'm you know, if there are... There's also the problem of of theoretical disagreement, right? That you, that you might not, ha- you know, you might convene these working groups, and it may well be that some people view, um, you know, think think of the, the another case that I, that I used to teach in property, the SunTrust Bank case that you're familiar with. This is the Margaret Mitchell estate when Don gone, yeah, sequel. suing, yeah. suing the unauthorized sequel, which is really more of a of a. Um, I guess it's a parody, but it's not really a funny parody. It's a, a transformation of, done gone, of, of Gone with the Wind uh, told from the perspective of one of the slaves, um, which right. kind of makes fools of the, char- of the main characters in Gone with the Wind. And um, anyway, plays an important social role. Um, so, so th- I mean, that's an example of an intellectual product, Gone with the Wind, which itself has different meanings to different groups of people. Right. I mean, I think for the Mitchell estate, I mean, I think at the primary meaning for the Mitchell estate is that it was very valuable <laughs> and a source of uh, money from sequels and other things. But at least the way they tried to protect it, like they refused um, authorizations to produce um, uh, uh, derivative works involving, I think, gay characters and other things. Um, I don't know. This is there's some of this in the wind done gone opinion, the, the SunTrust Bank opinion in the concurring opinion, I think. Um, you might know more about this. It's been a while since I've looked at it, Joe. Um, yeah, but, I but, haven't
1: read that in a very long time.
0: But for um, uh, you know, for, for the author of *The Wind and Gone*, and for for many other people, and not not only Black Americans, uh, *Gone with the Wind* has a very different meaning. So th- this is the, this is an intellectual work which is you know highly contested as to what it means and what its value is and how it should be engaged with, and. You know, that's an example of, of, of a work which is in the heart of the heartland of copyright. And it's fair use is the vehicle by which we authorize people to attack it in the form of parody. Right. But that's just kind of to me, that's a social choice. Right. That that this is an important form of of of, of discussion about this work and that the only way it's going to happen within the existing regime is to authorize it via fair use. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, I, I, don't, I don't know yeah
1: and and um and it is interesting that the 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 facts that we're talking about are um facts relating to a dispute involving sums of money and uh ranges of activity the publishing of a novel um, the marketing of that novel the the mitchell estate overseeing the continuing extraction of value from gone with the wind as a literary property i mean these are all things that the existing federal litigation infrastructure is is sort of well able to handle, and the people who were involved in that case felt that they could productively use that system to handle that dispute uh, where the 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 again it seems like the first order step in the in the creation of this small claims tribunal in our universe, and and maybe an alternative in an alternate universe, is that there are there's a layer of stuff that that system isn't going to address. Yeah. So if you take I, that as a given, I realize that. Yeah. If you take that as a given, and you say, okay, well, what what how could you and you further take as a given that you know the Copyright Act exists, it says certain things that purport to um, direct and and shape people's behavior. Um, and um, the theory that people doing more of what that statute uh, uh, permits and less of what it forbids um, is is a step in the right direction, and that's a huge thing that you could contest, right? And we we regularly talk about that. Um, but in, if you're if you're not going to just do a do-over and fundamentally reshape the contours of copyright law, much as it might be a good thing to do, you're not going to do that. Um, you're going to say we're going to take the Copyright Act as a given. W- what, how could we inject more helpful information into this space
0: this yeah, space I, of I, human yeah. behavior i'm just not i don't know if i'm on board with the idea that more information is better here because but how could uh, it not I, be an example of the well because I, I think the wind on gone case is and and i don't want to make too much of this because i actually think there's a a principled basis for saying that it's a fair use you know, under the standards for fair use if you even if you if you see it as a rather than as a very loose thing, as, as guided by those four factors. You know, there are four factors for finding fair use, but they are neither exhaustive nor uh, each – neither are they elements. Um, so, right. um, But, um, you know, th- that's – the, the more boundary-like intellectual property is, the harder it is maybe to win that kind of case. This is an example of a of – a, the equivalent of a ploof against Putnam in intellectual space, Right. By saying that, you know, how we do things around here is, yes, you may have boundaries around Gone with the Wind that are fairly well-defined in terms of, you know, only certain people can produce, produce sequels. They can, only certain people can, can produce uh, exact copies of the thing and they're people that you license, et cetera. Um, but, um, uh, you know, someone produces a block quote from Gone with the Wind. That's just how we do things around here. And the fair use captures that kind of exception. Yeah. Right. Um, and what well, what else is under that exception? Well, maybe parodies are under that exception, and you can kind of capture parody under this four-factor test of fair use. But but the point is that that test I'm, I, I, I think it's a venue for disputes about how we do things around here more than it is a uh, a lockdown prospective test. And kind of the more information we generate now about how that test will apply, the less. That test in the future will serve the purpose of a forum for disputing how we do things around here, and ah, in a okay. case of rapidly evolving technology, you know, right. with, you know, uh, you know, sharing memes, make you know, fan fiction, all these different kinds of things that are, you know, where technology is unlocking new kinds of expression that we hadn't thought about before. I'm I'm kind of loath to provide so much information that we that we lack the fora for for these disputes, these cultural disputes between you know the yeoman farmer and the huntsman. To use the the old Pearson against Post example in the future, does that and make that, some that
1: sense? Me, yeah, it makes a great deal of sense, and that strikes me as a as a, um, a deep and important concern. I suppose uh, that one way you might think through that concern is to is to say, well, look, uh, if as long as the tribunal it remains open to the the premise that the answers to these questions is is very much fact driven, um it's very much about a place and a time then knowing more about how we would do it today doesn't prejudice how we would think about it tomorrow because that will be a different time and might even be a different place and so um, the, the 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 weightier consideration is the pr- the law's seeming premise that uh, these are things about which people should uh, these are interests and entitlements about which people should transact i mean that's sort of the very claim of the entire thing, right? Is yeah, I guess. Like, you, by propertizing, we're, we're inviting people um, to uh, have, to, to recognize entitlements and transact in those entitlements. Um, and, uh, and so it is in that sense, I suppose, a grand neoliberal project. Uh, and okay. So that, you know, take that as a given. Stop Look. fighting the premise uh, and go with that as a, as a goal. Isn't giving people a way to clarify their entitlements in a in a particular layer of behaviors and interactions a a, a beneficial step?
0: I'm not so sure because I think you know if we go back to the trespass to land context, I think abeyance of one's rights is a huge part of what makes society work. And you know, just think of all the times that you know kids go onto other people's lawns to retrieve balls. Or, um, you know, we can clearly walk up to someone's house to ring a doorbell. You know, there are all kinds of things that you can do, which we fit into the existing doctrine in some ways. But there's lots of like not clearly there's lots of non necessary trespassing, you know, going to retrieve your dog who's gotten loose and run onto someone's property. Technically, that's a trespass. They could sue. Um, And so let me disaggregate because I agree. I couldn't agree with
1: you more. Um, Forbearance, abeyance um, is 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 huge in terms of making social life. Yeah. Livable. Right. Yeah. Um, but but so let's disaggregate um, uh, instances where forbearance is knowing forbearance. Like I'm, I'm perfectly aware of what the scope of my entitlement is and that I could insist upon it. Um, and I am forbearing from doing so. Yes, um, and so and here, forbearance that's rooted in profound uncertainties about whether or I or not I even have an entitlement, and so given the uncertainty about whether I have one, oh, what the hell? Let's not try to get to the bottom of that. Uh, it's not worth it. Game's not so worth the candle. I think for
0: I think for most neighbors, forbearance uh, uh, um, from you know suing when you could make a little bit of money from these ridiculous little trespasses um, comes from norms of neighborliness and other. Mm-hmm. You know, recognitions, you know, this comes from being a repeat player in a neighborhood or an area and not wanting to be a jerk. Um, There are, though, jerks who are probably put off from suing because it seems like too much trouble. They'd have to find the small claims court. They'd have to do that. You know, so even if they wanted to sue the neighborhood kid who kept, you know, you know, he or she kept kind of batting balls onto the property or something like that. They like, you know, it seems too much trouble. But most people are going to be dissuaded just from like this is, you know, that's what kids do around here. That's what sometimes dogs get loose. Um, you know, sometimes people, you know, at night, maybe, you know, drunkenly wander onto someone else's lawn and then wander back off again. I mean, this is stuff that happens in different areas yeah. in, in intellectual property space, though, they, they, you know, these are people, this is more like, um, uh, you know, uh, seeing a random driver on the highway commuting somewhere. And we all know that people in their cars somehow become worse than they are in, in real life. Uh, <laughs> they're much more likely to, to flip the bird. Uh, at someone who's who's uh, uh, driving too fast or cut them off or in the wrong way and and uh, you know et cetera. And uh, so so I don't think we can rely on forbearance for reasons of like neighborliness or or kind of common decency in the intellectual property space like we can in the land space. Let me just I'm just trying this out right now, but yeah. I think a a reason to like just leave things so muddled that that. Ordinary people aren't going to sue to enforce small infractions. Allows for more creativity, allows for more use, and maybe prevents. The easier you make it for people to sue, maybe the more you know, just the more the more they're going to do it. And maybe that's not true in small claims court when it comes to land.
1: Yeah, it's you you know, you. I think in terms of effects. Uh, and uh, and in terms of creative output, I'm I, my intuition is that you're you're almost certainly right. Um, I guess it's a, it's in addition to that. Um, you know, is that is that baleful or doleful? Like, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, if we've got a a bunch of people wandering around thinking, ah, you know, uh, a, as they see the latest successful uh, claim uh, made by some very high stakes creator um, you know there but for uh, the frustration of not having a small claims court go I right I could have made my claim I could have I could have proved that this person had harmed me and I could have had that harm redressed but it, it's just too expensive right all that law stuff is is, it's those people get relief not because their claims are have more moral uh, purchase but just because they've got more resources, right? Um, like that's troubling, I think. Uh, and so I, maybe this is just a way to say, to, to wind the clock back and say, yeah, what we really need to... Um, uh, so, so the the existence of the Small Claims Tribunal isn't troubling because there will be more claims, uh, but instead it's troubling because if, in an IP system, if you're talking about the very notion of small claims, it shows the thing has gone badly off the rails. Hmm. Right that that there should only be big claims, uh, right. th- It is the nature of an IP. system that it's designed to regulate very large activities from very large players. And the notion that people would be walking around thinking of themselves as the sorts of beings who would have these claims is the sign that something's
0: wrong i I, I think the, I think it's wrong that Disney has all these claims. I mean, you know for me, the problem is they're leveling up IP rather than leveling down. Okay. If we were up to me, copyright would last 14 years, maybe once renewable, like level all that stuff down, create more stuff that people can use, get rid of the DMCA. Right. Um, you know, I, there's all kinds of stuff that I would do. I mean, I wouldn't get rid of copyright like I would patent, um, but I, I sure would would limit it. And this is an instance that's two, of seeing like this those are yeah.
1: again these are two independent things like so we yeah. could say and it, like for any given um, the 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 question who what's the population of of actors whose behaviors we seek to regulate and um, what is the nature of the regulation once we decide those are the actors who we seek to regulate
0: I, I mean for for me it would be like the the actors that you want to well the actors that you want to advantage are those who would be under-incentivized to contribute to the net good, right? And so it is, it's small authors, you know, people who produced because they had a chance of, of some reward. I mean, I, you know, this is, I'm going back to just the standard kind of copyright bargain, first principles. And I'm not sure why, um, you know, I mean, Disney has enormous first-mover advantage when it releases a new Star Wars film. Right. Right. And, you know, if you gave them 14 years of exclusivity for the new Star Wars film, that would probably be enough, don't you think?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, you you, no one's going to get ahead of me in the line about lodging your (laughs) your your statement that you you want copyright to be a much shorter term. I mean, no doubt about it.
0: So so then, like, I, I don't think it should be an area of law meant to advantage big players. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, 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 yeah, I don't know, we're not going to, this seems like it's getting more general in a way than the smaller question, but maybe maybe that's the nature of this smaller question as it raises these big ones.
1: Yeah, and just to think about what what they could have done instead, I mean, if we're, you know, if we're going to toss ideas into mammoth statutes because they're zooming through the process, um, you know, how about... uh, Like, it's funny, when you were talking about Disney and you were talking about small authors, it seems like, you know, instead what you would need is is some sort of, um, you know, IP legal services corporation, right? The the real problem would be um, large firms who are taking advantage of small creators uh, by using their outputs without compensating them uh, on the theory that, well, that little person will never have enough resources or the wherewithal to call us to account. Um, yeah. So we'll just take it, use
0: it, and not worry about it. Yes. Yeah, so when, um, de- when I'm thinking about this though, in, in broader terms, it's like, t- to what extent are is the world that we could have, um, you know, much better than the world that we have, but for a change in IP, right? And the world that we could have if we dramatically reduce copyright terms is one where you know anybody could use any of the old Beatles music and and could make sequels of the old star wars movies and like you know it's just it's it's hard to imagine and people just don't imagine it because i you know we're in an age where people just think the better things are not possible (laughs) and uh (laughs) you know and and, and better things are possible and 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 that world that world is particularly possible yeah where where you could do all Um, these things but But, you really do you have to dial way back on the on the on the on
1: the the number and 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 nature of ownership claims and the insistence that people transact. I mean, the the, yes. the degree to which we're sort of in a permissions transaction culture rather than a creators polyarchic culture, where you don't need other
0: people's permission to do stuff. Um, right. It's we're way, way, way down that road. So, so that's what I'm thinking. Like, what is what is the better world that we're missing out on? And this is what requires imagination, right? Which is sorely lacking in so many areas of law. And social policy these days, no but question. like, what is what is the better world we're missing out on because we don't have the small claims tribunal where people can, where people can fight over these like you know uh, small infractions? I, I think it's a worse world, right? It's it's one where people don't as freely use stuff and um and and make new things. Now, are, are you know somehow are we missing out on lots of creativity because people think it's not worth it because someone on Twitter is going to make a meme out? I like I just don't. Anyway, I'd want to see more about – because maybe this is an instance of the failure of my imagination to understand mm. what people would be making but for this kind of intervention. But yeah. that, that big question of what world is possible with different incentives, that to me is the whole question. And when I look at the equivalent over in, in, in real space, in land world, I see lots and lots of subtlety and slop You know that is essential to making like modern life work. It's essential that people don't enforce their trespass claims – to the limit of the law, uh, it's essential, you know, that right. that 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 maybe even like these first possession questions and and you know are are theoretically difficult um, because there are just different values people have. You know, all this is essential, and and so I I think the same is true in the IP world. And and let me just say, Joe, at the end of the day, what I really care about is that my son can't sue me if I start this streaming thing.
1: Well, look, we can get uh, we can make very quick work of that. Uh, as I've said, uh, in the Anglo-American tradition, there is not a robust attribution right. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no problem.
0: Yeah, I just feel like um there's some kind of patent he could probably get over that. No. Yeah, I I I know a little I know enough about patent law to know that whatever I do, I'm screwed. <laughs> Uh well look now
1: that we've made public all this information once once a year has gone by once we're m- more than a year away from the events of of this episode and the last one um, any patent claim he could have made will will be extinguished so oh good
0: so I have to so wait a year to start the channel
1: we're we're good we're good to go
0: okay all right maybe maybe I'll do that and maybe by then you know the flight simulator will be even better there y- yeah yeah i gotta think i got a lot to think about in this holiday season um now indeed joe you're gonna be uh back from your undisclosed location in a couple of weeks is that right yeah about t- about two weeks from today
1: i think in point of fact is right. that right yeah
0: so, so this is our holiday special the show I, mm. it, I don't. i don't need to say it it's obvious from the content but yeah this was this was our holiday special uh there will be no show next week is that right I believe that is correct, uh, and then hopefully one after that. Hopefully there will be one after the first of the year.
1: Yeah, although it would probably be later in that week, but yes.
0: Okay, well, um, we're not going to get our. We're not, not going to like do our schedules now. Run some kind of doodle poll or something like that right now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> people, people, people should know that you know we'll be off next week. But this is our this is our holiday special. Cheers. Sure, so, you, hey, know I'm, you know what you know. People yeah.
1: could send a, You gave that email address. What was that email address again? <laughs> S- suggestions? After, after, after this part of the show? Uh, yeah, feedback. Yeah. Feedback. Feed, feedback at oralargument.org. Org. org. Um, so if people want to send in um, suggestions about the day of the week uh, on which shows would most beneficially be released... Um, uh, I would be amused to hear about such uh,
0: things. Well, this, this may be difficult, you know, back when we had a bunch of guests, I would do a lot of editing of the show just to make it, um, you know, to make the, to make it as good as possible for the, you know, to eliminate ums and ahs and and things to just, um, I I would do more of that. I'm not doing any of that now. (laughs) One of the reasons I'm not doing any of that now, I'm just kind of like, as soon as the show ends, I try to, you know, do a little bit with the sound and then just ship it out is, you know, God knows what's going to happen between the, when we hit stop and when the show ships. I want to make that period as short as possible because any number of events could occur in the catastrophic era in which we now live.
1: Yeah, you want to get the episode released ahead of the falling of martial law. Like you want, I mean, you get this thing out, get, get it out on the airwaves.
0: Yeah, you know, goodness, there's enough to criticize about us, Joe, without people saying, why aren't these guys talking about, you know, I don't know. I don't even want to mention what the bad event could be. Because it might come (laughs) true. (laughs) So so my policy has been as soon as we finish uh, recording, I I try to ship it out. But if the listeners have some feedback on that, of course I would be. I'd love to hear it. You know what else is great about today? What? Well, I don't know if it's great or not. Well, you do know this. Uh, My wife, who's a healthcare worker. Yes. My wife um, (laughs) might, might get her vaccine today. It's unknown whether she will or not she's scheduled to do that it's already been delayed once it okay. was scheduled for this morning it's been delayed till the evening now mm. will that delay turn into another delay will it turn into oh we didn't receive as many as we thought mm. we were going to receive i don't know mm. but you well know, i hope she, it's
1: not delayed i hope she receives it i look forward to uh, receiving my vaccination at the earliest practical opportunity for
0: doing so 2023 sometime no. <laughs> i should say i'm not that.
1: in charge of these things so i don't know uh,
0: as you know joe i've been a vaccine optimist from the beginning about the speed with which these vaccines are coming now that that's the speed with which it'll be developed i had no such optimism about the um uh, about the distribution or the you know that mm. that aspect of it and so um so that i'm less optimistic about but um so so we we shall see uh but you know she she um deals with patients in close quarters who are definitely covid positive so it will be a a weight off her shoulders and mine to know that yeah. she is um, essentially immune and, and almost certainly immune from severe disease, even if she were in the small percentage that contracted. So this is good news and it feels like the beginning of the end.
1: That's great news. I'm, I'm, and I do, I hope she gets vaccinated today. I hope anybody who can get vaccinated does so as again, as quickly as, as is practical to do so.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting because on that, on that front, there was this whole kerfuffle this past week about, um, uh, Maddie Glacius and others who were kind of coming out against the CDC, or not against, but but were suggesting the CDC should prioritize people purely based on age rather than on essential worker categories, and then there was a big backlash against that about these pundits who were pushing right. back against expertise, and, and we're not going to go into it now. But I think it nicely dovetails with the discussion you and I had last week about the nature of expertise. It absolutely um, does, yes. And um, so I, there were some pundits who had maybe some rude tweets about it, but. Um, but I didn't think that Iglesias was totally off base, um, partly for this reason, right, that I think it's in between, like he was not expressing yeah. this like nihilistic denial of expertise, nor the, you know, automatic embrace of expertise, but was, I think trying to look more, more deeply about the different kinds of expertise that bore on the question and, and just asking questions about that. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, so th- that's worth a listen again in the context of that, I think.
1: Um, yeah, Nice. Well, this is these are good notes on which to conclude our conversation for today.
0: Oh, okay. Well, don't you I- think? Yes, I, I I'm I'm reluctant to hang up because you know you're not here. Um, you haven't been here essentially for a year now, almost a year. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. December is, has been a good year, hasn't it? Yeah, I've, I haven't really seen you without without a mask or or even with a mask that much. So this is like this is a treat for me because I'm looking at you over Zoom. And this it feels like you're in the room
1: well yeah this uh it is good to see you too, and it's uh it, it, yeah life is weird now um in yeah. lots of ways, isn't it, um, yeah, but we muddle through as we must,
0: and so happy holidays, goodbye 2020 um, It seems yeah. like at the end of each year since 2016, people have been glad to see the back of the year that came before it man, and they seem it, it seems like nobody comments on that do they about, you know, everybody says, Oh my God, 2019 in the, you know, throw that in the junk heap, you know, it's like, um, but when we say that about 2020 or 2019, nobody, people aren't saying enough, boy, we sure said the same thing about 2018 and 2017, 2016. Right. So, um, so here's looking at casting this whole mess of years into the, into the junk heap and getting on with better things in 2021.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. 2020.
0: Gosh, yikes. Twenty nineteen, yikes! Twenty eighteen, yikes! But twenty twenty one is when all twi- <laughs> the bad stuff from the from the prior years <laughs> came back to bite us, right? I don't know, it, but uh, hmm, yes to the
1: yikes of the past years, but um, twenty twenty, man, double, triple, quadruple yikes! I mean, egads!
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Oof. well let's let's stop there and say good wishes to all our listeners for a great holiday season and a great 2021 and we will catch you in the new year when we expect i'm not even going to say it i'm not even going to say we expect better things we hope for better Um, things
1: i certainly hope for them
0: okay bye joe
1: bye